You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Every 30 seconds, someone in America hears a doctor say, you have cancer. As horrific as these words may sound, they are no longer the death sentence they once were. Today, more than 10 million Americans are living with a history of cancer. Enough survivors that if they joined hands together, they would cross the U.S. from coast to coast four times over. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and with me today is Ann Willis, Manager of Survivorship Programs for the National Coalition of Cancer Survivorship in Maryland. Today we're talking about the work and support this advocacy organization provides. Let's begin by talking about how the coalition began and when it was founded. In 1986, a group of people who'd all been touched by cancer in different ways came together to create an organization that focused on all aspects of living with, through, and beyond a cancer diagnosis. Um, And part of the reason they came together is they wanted to change the language about cancer from calling someone a victim to calling someone a survivor. Mm. Great. And how large is this organization? We have one office based in Silver Spring, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., and there's about 12 staff. Great. How is it structured? We have um, two main areas of focus. We focus on policy, and then we also have our patient education resources. Most of our organization is focused on policy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us some about the kinds of activities that you do in relation to policy? We have our Cancer Advocacy Now Network, which is a grassroots legislative advocacy network of about 25,000 people across the country. We work with people to help make sure that their voices are heard at the federal level to change policies. We also have a piece of legislation, the Comprehensive Cancer Care Improvement Act, which helps to ensure quality care for all persons who are diagnosed with cancer. How far along is that in the legislative process? It's gaining support, and it was reintroduced this year. Great. And how is the coalition funded? We receive funding from pharmaceutical companies, from individual donations, and we receive some money from grants as well. So the pharmaceutical companies have an interest in seeing people survive cancer and utilize their drugs in the process. They want to also demonstrate that they're committed to helping ease the burden of cancer. Mm -hmm. What function do you serve in the cancer community as a whole, your organization? We provide materials for anyone who has been diagnosed with cancer to help them advocate for better care for themselves, whether that's when they're diagnosed on a personal level or whether that's at the community level or advocating uh, at the federal level so important. And what would you say is the primary focus of the coalition? We primarily focus on policy and making sure that um, anyone who's been diagnosed receives quality cancer care. And are there ways in which survivors in their local community can support this work? Sure. By joining our Cancer Advocacy Now um, legislative program, we provide the tools so that people can talk with their congresspeople and effectively communicate with others and help make sure that their voices are heard. Mm -hmm. Really network with each other and stay in touch even at the federal government level. Mm -hmm. I read on your website about the Cancer Survival Toolbox. What is this and how does it work? The Cancer Survival Toolbox is our most popular program. It's an audio resource and it's free for anybody who orders it. We will even send it out free in bulk order if hospitals or doctor's offices need them. 
It's an audio program that covers topics like communicating, finding information, finding ways to pay for care, topics for older persons, living beyond cancer. It's a very comprehensive resource guide. It's done through a series of stories that different people tell, and it walks you through different examples and helps you really be able to advocate for yourself and and get the care that you deserve. Mm. It sounds really wonderful and very helpful. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and with me today is Ann Willis, Manager of Survivorship Programs for the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship. Tell us, Ann, how you got involved in this organization. Sure. About 10 years ago, um, when I was in high school, I noticed a lump on the back of my neck that turned out to be Ewing sarcoma, which is a rare aggressive childhood cancer. So I was treated with chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. And I didn't think about it for many years. And then after I got out of graduate school, I decided that I wanted to use my experience to help other people. What do you find is the most challenging aspect for people to deal with when they get a diagnosis like that? And you were so young. Yeah, I think that it's hard to take in all of the information and to know where to begin. So that's what your organization really tries to help them with. Right. And we believe that every person with cancer needs to be informed to to make the best decisions. And so we provide the tools that help people learn how to communicate with their doctors and how to get the information that they need to have. Mm -hmm. What do you find that people often need help with in communicating with their doctors? On a practical level, you know, how how do you help them with that? Well, there are many, many influences on our styles of communication, but a lot of people don't know what they can ask or that, that they can ask questions in the first place with their doctors. And a lot of times people also don't know who they should be asking these questions. Mm-hmm. So we try to point them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And help them learn about different organizations and support systems within their communities and right. so on. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the issues that survivors have to deal with when they finish treatment? Well, what tends to happen when you're done with treatment is you've been surrounded by this entire healthcare team for a significant period of time, and then it sort of feels like you fall off a cliff, and you don't exactly know who to talk to or where you need to go. So we really believe that patients need some direction and they need some guidance when they're done with their treatment to help them transition back into a more normal life. They go from having this really intensive involvement with so many people, and then the rest of their lives, they're really on their own, except for periodic checkups. And Right, and there's something strangely comforting about going to see your doctor and to see your healthcare team, and they sort of become your friends and almost like family, and then all of a sudden, they're not there, and no one's telling you what you need to be doing anymore. Is there any way in which research is involved in your organization? We do advocate for um, more research and more money for research, but that's not one of our primary focuses. Do you help people get in touch with um, some of the, the new research protocols and clinical trials that are available? Right. Well, we serve as sort of a portal of information. We have a very extensive resource guide that covers topics like clinical trials. And so if um, someone comes to our website, they can learn more about clinical trials or learn where to go to, to um, try to enroll in a clinical trial. Or if someone calls us, we um, also help 
connect them with the correct organizations and and help facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. Really a hands-on involvement with them if that's what they're searching for. Mm -hmm. And what other kinds of resources does your organization provide? We have several publications on some important issues for cancer survivors. There's one, we have a publication on health insurance, which is tricky for anyone, much less when you've been diagnosed with cancer. We have a publication on employment issues. Um, unfortunately, some survivors experience employment discrimination or they aren't sure of what their rights are, and so that, that booklet helps them understand their employment rights. We have a book on self-advocacy and standing up for yourself and getting the best care. We have a book on teamwork to um, help people communicate with their health care providers. And then we also have a book on remaining hopeful. Oh, that's fantastic. How can people get access to these different resources? All of our resources are available free on our website, which is canceradvocacy.org. And, um, or people can call us. Our phone number is 877-NCCS-YES, which is 877-622-7937. And we will send out all of our materials. What kinds of materials are in those books? What information is given um, to the person regarding something like employment issues that may come up or discrimination? Sure. The book, it basically goes through what your rights are, what when you have to tell an employer, when you don't. It talks about some of the laws that protect survivors and and when is something discrimination. Wow, that's so helpful. And you said that you get um, you have another book on dealing with health insurance. Tell us about what people can do in that regard. The most important thing that people need to do is be familiar with their health insurance policy. And it's very confusing, but it's very helpful to know everything that's covered. And this book goes through the basics of different types of policies, and then it also discusses places to go for help or if you're having insurance issues, who do you go to? Because many people have difficulty getting coverage once they've had this diagnosis. Right. And unfortunately, many people are either uninsured or underinsured before they're diagnosed. And then for long-term survivors, some of them have difficulty getting insurance after they've been diagnosed. And so this would give them suggestions about how to proceed in that way. Right. It gives them options and, and offers them things that they can do. And please tell us some more about the legislation you're working on currently. Sure. So we have our Comprehensive Cancer Care Improvement Act, which is to help assure that patients receive comprehensive cancer care, which includes the medical treatment that they get and also psychosocial services. And the most important aspect is it um, would provide Medicare reimbursement for a care plan and a treatment summary for all survivors. So when someone was, is diagnosed, they would get sort of a sketch of what their treatment is going to entail. And then upon completion, you would get another document that says, you know, these are the types of drugs that you were treated with and this was your treatment. And then that's helpful to continue with long-term follow-up care. Mm-hmm. And we, we go through Medicare because um, once doctors are reimbursed through Medicare, then it will sort of become a standard practice over time. And then all patients will receive these. Does it determine, to some extent, the quality of care that someone receives for cancer, their insurance options and their availability of Medicare? Certainly, at times, 
Um, it depends on the type of insurance you have as to the access to doctors and to, to certain care. So, yes, it, it can affect your care. Mm-hmm. How can people find out more about your wonderful organization? We have a website, which is www.canceradvocacy.org, and that's A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y, advocacy. And also, if people want to call, our phone number is 877-NCCS-YES, which is 877-622-7937. Thank you. I want to thank Ann Willis from the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship, who has been our guest today. I'm Dr. Laura Humphrey. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.